Good evening. We begin with a day of tribute to thank those who can never be thanked enough. Events were held across the GTA for the soldiers who sacrificed everything for Canada and the others whose lives were forever changed by war and conflict. We have special Remembrance Day coverage throughout our show tonight, including from the country's biggest ceremony in our nation's capital. But CTV's Allison Hurst starts us off from Old City Hall. Allison. Thousands of people packed the square here for the service to pay their respects to both those who have served and those who continue to do so. When the clock strikes 11, the city stands still, marking the 11th hour of this Remembrance Day. This year is the 80th anniversary of the Dieppe Raid. Ted White's uncle was killed there, a connection he only learned of after his dad died. I found a letter from uh, his brother to him. And, sorry, I, uh, I didn't even know he had a brother because um, he never spoke of him. And the letter was written on August 18th and the Dieppe raid was on the 19th. It was also the deadliest day in Toronto's wartime history. Many of the soldiers deployed at Dieppe called Toronto home and they accounted for a quarter of the Canadian lives lost that day. A familiar tune pierces the silence as a lone trumpet plays the last post. It's a sad day as well. We've, you know, we've all lost mates and friends and, and colleagues. Thoughts of those who fought are on veteran Chin Vu's mind. Many, many memories about my life when I was serving the South Vietnam Armed Forces and all the people, my friend, my relative, who died in the war. And uh, I feel very sad. Judy James made a wreath to lay in honor of the four members in her family who served in the Second World War. Every, every leaf that's woven in here, I think about them. And the only thing that holds us together is all the leaves working in tandem. And it's like, it's like the Canadian forces. For the first time since 1951, the Lieutenant Governor placed a wreath as the King's representative. This year also marks the 150th birthday of Colonel John McRae, born in Guelph, Ontario in 1872. His poem sung on the steps of Toronto's old city hall as multiple generations stand shoulder to shoulder in reflection. It's a reality and unfortunately you hope that as a parent your kids will never have to you know, experience that, but they do. Keith's story brings his kids to the Cenotaph every year. It makes me feel happy that, um, that we could show them our support by being here. I like to respect the soldiers. The soldiers who have already gone and who continue to serve today. Allison Hurst, CTV News, Toronto. 
Though their ranks grow thinner every year, still they march. In the first veterans parade held since before the pandemic. This year's Silver Cross mother, Candy Graff from Lacombe, Alberta. Her 28-year-old son, Master Corporal Byron Graff, was the last Canadian soldier killed in Afghanistan when a NATO bus he was traveling on was struck by a suicide car bomb in Kabul in 2011. She was accompanied by the Governor General, the Veterans Minister and Canada's top soldier. Today is a day that's filled with emotions as we reflect on you know, those who came before us, those who gave so much and those that are continuing to, uh, to serve. With the Prime Minister travelling to Asia, his wife Sophie Gregoire and son Xavier came in his stead. This year, special note made of the 80th anniversary of the raid on Dieppe, the deadliest day for Canada of the Second World War, claiming 916 lives, marked today by the flag recovered from the beach in 1942. With public health measures lifted, crowds returned to the cenotaph. On an unseasonably warm day, The ceremony as poignant as ever. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. Then a fly pass of CF-18 jets, joined by vintage Spitfire, Mustang and Hawker Hurricane fighters. And for the first time in more than 70 years, the ceremony ended with God Save the King. and the observance of a newer tradition, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier draped with a field of poppies left by grateful Canadians. Glenn McGregor, CTV News, Ottawa. And still ahead, a memory of war resurrected for generations to honour. A touching reunion story you won't want to miss. We'll have that story a little later. We'll have more Remembrance Day coverage a little later in the newscast, but now to the pressure intensifying on the Ford government over the state of our health care system. It is coming from both the public and medical professionals alike, and tonight new evidence of the strains facing our hospitals. Our Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us now with some late-breaking developments. Siobhan. Zoraida, the Hospital for Sick Children saying tonight it has no choice but to reduce the number of surgeries it's performing. They say they just have too many people in their intensive care unit. It's been running at 127% capacity. More than half of those kids are on ventilators, a sign of just how dire the situation in Ontario hospitals has become. It was in Dan Trivet's kitchen hours after a car crash in late October. He felt a frightening kind of pain. Like someone was stabbing me in the stomach with a knife and crushing my ribs at the same time. Um, had to hang on to the kitchen counter, um, sweating profusely, basically blacked out. An ambulance rushed him to Toronto General Hospital. I guess I arrived there about 1.30 a.m. on Thursday. I didn't get a bed until 2 a.m. on Friday morning. In those hours waiting, he heard intimate details of other patients' care, saw staff who looked stressed. I only saw three nurses on duty, and I didn't see any doctors visible. Um, I saw a lot of patients on stretchers in the hallways because there was no place to put them. Pressure on Ontario hospitals has been building for months. Hospitals that care for children are in a special state of crisis. They're absolutely 
swamped by all these cases coming in all at once. A triple whammy of the flu, COVID-19, and RSV in kids needing help in scarce pediatric care beds. We're over capacity by 10%, which means that patients are likely being cared for in unconventional spaces. And these are children. In some cases, young teens have been moved to adult ICU beds because there aren't free pediatric beds. That worries me lots. I mean, pediatric hospital, they have the right equipment. They have the, the staff that are trained to, to deal with 14 years old little girls who need their family around. In Mississauga, Trillium Health has temporarily merged two pediatric units because of the increased number of children who are sick and require hospitalization and ongoing province-wide staffing challenges. The opposition maintains repealing Bill 124 would go a long way to filling gaps in hospital schedules. Let the government show to those healthcare workers that have worked so hard that they care about them, that they will respect them. That respect doesn't have to be about money. We got to vaccinate our kids from flu. We got to vaccinate our kids for COVID. We got to, you know, if your child is sick, don't send them to school. If your child is sick, don't send them to daycare. Dan Trivet would like to see more and better paid staff so more patients aren't subjected to the long waits he was. The system is definitely broken. A spokesperson for the Minister of Health says the government is not happy with the status quo, where we're seeing increasing volumes in Ontario ERs year after year. They say that's why they're investing in attracting more staff, uh, working on alternate levels, uh, alternate models of 911 care. Reporting live, I'm Siobhan Morris. Zoraida, back to you. Thank you, Siobhan. Well, GoBus says we'll be back on the road this weekend following a four-day strike. Hey. Long four days for our members. They stood strong. They stood united. And um, they still need to ratify this, but it's uh, been recommended, and I believe they will. And uh, I think they got a fair and uh, respectful contract, a contract that uh, they went on strike for for being disrespected. But um, I'm glad, uh, glad it's over and they can get back to work and we can get the service back to the public. Metrolinx and the union representing more than 2,200 transit workers have agreed to a three-year pact. The union says the deal addresses its safety concerns and contracting out issues. A ratification vote is expected in the coming days. Well, it's a great night to be indoors following a gray and dreary day. Here's a live look at the city right now and a rainy, wet night ahead. Lindsay Morrison joins us with a look at the forecast and the current conditions. Lindsay? Well, Sean, overall, we were pretty lucky to have a dry Remembrance Day in most parts of the GTA, but then the rain moved in this afternoon. It was heavy and steady at times. The heaviest rain is now starting to pull away from downtown Toronto and the west end of the GTA, but it continues in through Durham, in through Peterborough County, and in through eastern sections of Ontario, too. This is a big low-pressure system. It's the remnants of what once was Hurricane Nicole. There's a couple of special weather statements in effect. A tropical air mass means we're still mild at this hour, but things are going to change in a big way this weekend. Might be time to get the winter tires on. We'll talk about that coming up in your forecast. Thank you, Lindsay. Scenes from just one of the many observances across the GTA today. A sunrise service at Prospect Cemetery, where people gathered at the cross of sacrifice to lay wreaths and pay their respects. Well, from sunrise ceremonies in the West End to the tributes for our soldiers in the East. People in Oshawa today were gathering to honor relics of the past conflicts and the veterans who once served in them. Here's CTV's Janice Golding with their story. 
a moving display in downtown Oshawa. Military personnel and dignitaries greeted by hundreds who lined roadways in a big return of an event paused during the pandemic. We've been doing it for at least 10 years. Yeah. Because of them, we're allowed to walk free and be free. We wouldn't have a lot of the freedoms that we have today without the sacrifices that were made by our forebears. The parade featured a special convoy of remembrance. Vehicles hearkening back to the First World War and beyond. Working exhibits from the Ontario Regiment Museum, which boasts the largest collection of operational military vehicles in North America. Ferret Scout Cars, which is a vehicle that we use for reconnaissance, Jeeps uh, and other reconnaissance vehicles, and uh, some big heavy trucks, uh, you know, different gun trucks and things like that. The route ending at Memorial Park. To promote our Canadian values throughout the world. As those who gathered took in prayers and hymns and observed decades-old traditions. Young and old reflecting on the meaning of today. Remembering the soldiers that have passed away. It means honoring people who died for us to keep us safe. It hurts from the heart. It really does to know that, uh, that we still have soldiers today that are going through battles, that they're going to be in the same position. Acknowledging, honoring, and expressing gratitude to those who have served our country. And to those who continue to do so. Janice Golding, CTV News. And solemn tributes beyond our borders. ceremony was held at the Canadian Embassy in Washington today. Service members, dignitaries and their families gathered in reverence of those who gave so much for this country. This is Veterans Day in the U.S., honoring those who have served in the armed forces. This is Armistice Day in the U.K., where Big Ben told 11 times to mark the beginning of two minutes of silence. This weekend on Remembrance Day Sunday, armed force members from Britain and the Commonwealth will be honored again for their service and sacrifice. In Belgium, commemorations were held today at the Menin Gate. It is dedicated to the 55,000 Allied soldiers lost without a trace in defense of the salient, the Ypres salient in the First World War. Every evening at 8 o'clock, police halt traffic under the memorial where buglers play the last post. In France, President Emmanuel Macron laid a wreath on the tomb of the unknown soldier under the Arc de Triomphe. The country lost 1.4 million soldiers during the First World War. Macron later attended the Paris Peace Forum, leading a discussion about Russia's war on Ukraine. Well, there is a major development tonight in Ukraine. Special military units of the Ukrainian armed forces have entered the city of Kherson. 
Residents cheered as a car carrying men in Ukrainian military uniforms made its way through the crowd. Celebrations have erupted following eight months of occupation. The strategically key southern city was the only capital to have been captured. Moscow said it withdrew 30,000 troops across the Dnipro River without losing a single soldier. But Ukrainians painted a picture of a chaotic retreat, with the Russians ditching their weapons and uniforms before fleeing Kherson. Finally, freedom soon for 12 Canadians who've been trapped in the Dominican Republic for more than seven months. Five crew members and seven passengers of a Toronto-based Pivot Air were taken into custody back in April. It happened after the crew notified police when 200 kilograms of cocaine was discovered in the belly of the plane. The Canadians spent some time in jail, despite no charges ever being laid. They were eventually released, but their passports were not returned. The crew then moved to five different safe houses amid concerns of retribution from whoever was trying to transport the drugs to Toronto. Now the prosecutor has submitted documents in court clearing the way for all 12 to return home. The crew spoke today about the moment they heard the good news. The first thing we've heard is that uh, we have good news, guys. Uh, she signed it. She signed the paper today. The prosecutor, yeah, the yeah, DA. Yeah, DA, yeah, she signed it. And we could, just couldn't, like, the tears broke down, broke down to tears. And Ridiculous. We couldn't yeah, believe just, yeah, just shock and happiness and bewilderment and just thrilled. Just thrilled. Just absolutely thrilled. There's nothing else to say. But the crew says they won't actually believe they're going home until they get their passports back and they're getting on the airplane. We turn now to a story that we need to warn you about. It contains some disturbing details. A Mississauga teen living with autism recovering tonight after an encounter with police that left him hospitalized and his father demanding accountability. Our Beth McDonnell reports on what happened and the reaction. Maj Darwich says he came to Canada from Syria in 2016 to keep his son Abdullah safe. He has autism and is nonverbal. But after last Friday's response from Peel police, when they deployed a stun gun on the 19-year-old, he says he doesn't know if that's possible. On my son, he was handcuffed and his face on the floor, and one policeman lady on him, putting her, her knee, knee, knee on his back. And then when I looked to his face, it was full of blood. Darwich says they spent up to five hours in hospital and the teen was anesthetized to remove one of the small metal darts from the conducted energy weapon from his genitals. Darwich says he keeps the doors locked, but somehow he got out only wearing his underwear. He believes Abdullah ended up down the street trying to get warm. I spoke with a man who says he called 911. He says his vehicle was already running when the teen managed to get inside. After pulling him out, he says he then tried to get into his backyard. Feeling nervous about him returning, he says he decided to call police. The man says Abdullah then crossed the street and played with leaves. Ann Skakin saw him playing in front of her house before an officer showed up. She heard the police officer talking to Abdullah but couldn't make it out. And then I turned around because I couldn't watch it. And I just said, and then uh, I just heard a taser. So the neighbor said that, that the police officer did three times. There is no excuse for them at all. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they, I mean, they are not well trained. Darwich says the following day, two officers came by and told him they don't know why they didn't see his son's file on the vulnerable person's registry. 
Police confirmed Abdullah is on the list, but say without additional information, such as an address, it is not effective, saying in a statement. At the time of the incident, the identity and condition of the individual was unknown to the officers. A review of the incident is being conducted and the totality of the circumstances are being examined. When they found this guy playing like that with uh, the, the leaves, with, he was naked. I mean, let's say 50% he is sick boy and 50% he is something else. If they press, if one of them bothered himself and press the key and see what, what they have in this area because he is not far from our home, they just deal with, dealt with him as a criminal. Police say he appeared in distress and was not responding to officers. Darwich says he saw about 10 officers in all attend. He takes issue with the use of a stun gun and the officers seemingly not able to recognize Abdullah's condition. Beth McDonnell, CTV News. Well, they are medications parents turn to for kids sick with respiratory viruses. But with pharmacy shelves running empty, what do you do? Our Pauline Chan explores the options coming up. I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, if you have to replace your smartphone anytime soon, you know how expensive they can be. The best cases can help your phone withstand some falls, drops, and hard knocks. Researchers just put some to the test. That story is just ahead. We are going to tap into some brisk winds out of the north and west this weekend, and that is going to usher in some cold air. By next week, we're going to be talking about wind chills, and even before that, we'll be talking about flurries in the forecast for this weekend, maybe even accumulating snow in the traditional snow belt areas. All of that is coming up in your forecast, and stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. Welcome back. Police tonight are investigating a tragic crash in York Region. A driver killed after his car slammed into a horse. And there is evidence tonight that suggests the animal was just one of many running loose at the time. Our Andrew Brennan is in the area right now and joins us live. Andrew. Indeed. Well, we're actually just a few blocks east of Bathurst. And going from Davis Drive a few blocks away at Keel Street, we had witnesses throughout the evening and into the overnight that were here on this little side street, this little crescent, that happened to have seen 20 to 30 horses and a big commotion. One of the neighbors here we just spoke to, Salim, he says that he and his wife woke up this morning around 3 a.m. to find the sound of galloping horses and police officers outside. Now, when he first came outside, the first thing that he was told by, by police was this. Yeah, so they did a great job of keeping me safe. When I came outside, obviously, to see, they ushered me back into the home calmly, let me know that, you know, someone else on the street may have been injured as well through this accident or incident. Um, so I just entered back into the home and stayed safe. And again, I can't, I can't stress enough, they did a great job of keeping everyone calm um, and keeping the space safe. Now, what police have said is on the way, it appears from Davis and Keel to here east of Bathurst, that one person in a car in a gray Toyota, they struck one of these animals and it was fatal. The 60-year-old Newmarket man was pronounced dead. Now, as of right now, what remains to be seen, a few things. One, how these horses escaped, where exactly they escaped from. But speaking with Salim and his wife, one thing that they said is that for having a young daughter in the home, 
There's one silver lining, I guess it could be said, is that they're able to share this story with her, and she was a little disappointed to not be able to have seen them herself. Reporting live, I'm Andrew Brennan. Zoraida, we'll send it back to you inside. Thank you, Andrew. Well, if you bought a new phone over the past few years, you may have spent $1,000 or more for the latest Apple or Samsung models. Considering how much they cost and how much wear and tear they take, it makes sense to protect them with a good case. Here's Pat Foran and Consumer Alert. Smartphone cases can be expensive, and you often have to buy a new one every time you buy a new phone. But with smartphones being so pricey and it's a device many of us have a hard time living without, buying a good case can be a good investment. A phone case is the cheapest form of insurance you can buy. With new top-of-the-line phones costing more than $1,000, a phone case is now a must-have item. Well, the phone itself looks pretty good, but, you know, I drop it, like, multiple times a day. And researchers say you can get a good case for under $40. Just make sure it has these features. A raised edge around the front to protect the front screen. Around the camera housing in the back, another raised look. You want it to be like tight fitting with padding on the edges. You want that tight fit to keep the case in place should you drop your phone. And because phone makers often change their phone designs ever so slightly, you'll likely need a new case every time you get a new phone. Even better, choose a phone that scores well in Consumer Reports durability tests, which include the drop tests performed on phones without cases. We drop the phone 50 times. We check the phone for any scratches or damage, and then we drop it another 50 times. The best phones make it out of the tumbler with just a few scuffs or scratches. More tips for choosing a phone case. Buyer beware. There are plenty of knockoffs out there, so know who you're buying it from. Be wary of online reviews. Many of them don't tell you how the case withstands the test of time. And finally, look for a warranty. OtterBox and Spec both offer good options. You can't deny that it's an aesthetic purchase, too. You might find a case that um, is really well designed and also sparks some joy in you every day, and that's the kind of case that you should go for, I think. If you're really hard on your phone, you may want to consider insurance, which might be offered by the manufacturer or your phone provider. And a screen protector is considered a good investment. It's better to replace a $20 screen protector than have to pay for a new screen. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. Now a tropical depression, Nicole, is crawling northward, dumping heavy rain on the eastern United States and southern Canada. The storm is to blame for three deaths in Florida. It struck yesterday as a hurricane, leaving dozens of homes structurally unsafe in the Daytona Beach area. About 15,000 customers were without power across the state by late this afternoon. Parts of Atlantic Canada are also prepping for power outages. And Lindsay Morrison joins us now with a look at the weather. We are experiencing some of that runoff from the storm, yeah? Yeah, thankfully not as severe as what they saw in Florida, so we shouldn't really be complaining for this little bit of rain that we're seeing. No, and we've had a pretty dry November. We had a dry October and September, a dry summer, so a little bit of rain, not a big issue for us here locally. The big change going forward, though, is going to be a change in wind direction, colder air moving in, so once we get past today in this tropical air mass that some are still enjoying, it's going to feel 
feel a lot more like November and maybe even early December by next week. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. Here's a look at the current satellite and radar imagery. Some parts of the GTA getting a little bit of a break from the rain at this hour. It's still misty and drizzly though. Heavy rain continues for Niagara in through eastern sections of Ontario. Look at the scope of this low pressure system. So yes, at one point this was Hurricane Nicole. It is now a tropical depression. It is uh, technically post-tropical as it makes its way uh, across the international border and into Canada. Going to be a big weather maker for our friends in Atlantic Canada as mentioned. Winds not as much of a factor with this particular storm but heavy rain, coastal flooding possible and in some areas snow. Speaking of snow, we when we see the winds change direction and that colder air ushers in, lake effect is going to be possible in many areas, especially the traditional snow belt areas, but cannot rule out the possibility of some flurries here at home as well. More on that in just a moment. There is a special weather statement in effect still for areas like Welland and Niagara Falls, uh, Kingston, Napanee, Gananoque, over toward Brockville and Cornwall. This is where the heaviest amounts of rain are forecast to fall. We've picked up about 10 to 15 millimeters here in Toronto. Moving through the overnight hours, we'll see that rain push further off to the east. Waking up tomorrow morning, maybe even some peaks of sun. It will be noticeably drier for your Saturday as a whole, but another disturbance swings through in the afternoon. That will likely bring us some rain, but again, higher elevation areas off to our north and to our west, more likely to see some snow, and it could be accumulating by the time we make our way into the day on Sunday. Overnight tonight, we're at about 5 degrees here in the city of Toronto. Toronto. Tomorrow's high is going to be about 10, but the temperature is expected to fall as the day goes on. It's going to be a good day to spend some time around home and maybe inside as well. Those westerly winds are going to strengthen as the day goes on as well. Here's your seven-day forecast. Look at the daytime highs through next week, around four, five degrees. The overnight lows below freezing. We're going to be talking about wind chills next week, and we've got a good chance of mixed precipitation Tuesday night right through to Thursday. That's your look at the weather. Sean? Over to you. Thanks, Lindsay. After the break, a shortage of children's cold and flu remedies has parents searching for safe alternatives. Our Pauline Chan asks the experts for some advice. On air, online, on every platform. Escape tragedy by mere moments. CTV News Toronto. A story you'll only see here. Winner of the Canadian Screen Award for Best Local Newscast. We have developing details. Watch weeknights at 6. New research is highlighting the impact of respiratory syncytial virus on infants, even at times when hospitals are not experiencing a surge. A study in the journal Lancet tracked more than 9,000 babies born in Europe between 2017 and 2020. In wealthier countries, it found that one in 56 healthy children is likely to be hospitalized for RSV before they turn one. Across the globe, scientists estimate RSV is responsible for one in every 50 deaths before the age of five. With so many parents trying to find alternatives to fever and pain-reducing medications for their kids, many are asking whether adult versions are appropriate substitutes. As our health reporter Pauline Chan tells us, the answer is sometimes. For most medications, a child that's 100 pounds or 45 kilograms would be considered an adult. But pharmacist Tim Brady says for smaller kids, it's tricky. So, you know, kids are very specific because a lot of the meds are weight-based. So with a liquid base, we can adjust doses really easy. Give, you know, four mils or five mils. When you're talking about a tablet, you know, if you're not inside a half a tablet or a full tablet, it becomes problematic. So at any point, really, that you could crush a tablet and a child will take it. 
then you can. But the key to it is, is making sure that you have the right dose. That's why talking with your pharmacist is so important. Brady says the difference between adult and kids medications is usually just dosage. And strangely, the medications for babies can often be more concentrated and so stronger than that for older children. So they try to actually make them more concentrated so that they can give less liquid. So it's kind of surprising with I've had parents that have had to move from the infant to the children and are actually volume wise You know, I used to give two mils, now I have to give four, but not realizing because the concentration is different. So once again, make no assumptions about dosages based on the amount of a medication if you're switching from infant or children's formulations. Mix any crushed medications with a small amount of soft food, like applesauce or yogurt, and make sure they take the full serving of food so they get the full dosage. The pill cutter is a handy device. Most tablets, too, to be honest with you, if they're oval, you can actually just push on both sides, they'll snap in half. As for the situation in Brady's Pharmacy today... And every other script is amoxicillin or something we don't have. So we're constantly going back to the physician and trying to change. So it uh, makes everything twice as hard. But at the end of the day, we got to make sure the patients get what they need. So Pauline Chan, CTV News. A copyright lawsuit over the latest Top Gun movie is moving ahead south of the border. With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. just want to manage expectations. The original movie was based on a 1983 article in a California magazine. The author's estate says Paramount didn't renew its rights to the story before releasing Top Gun Maverick. The studio asked for the case to be thrown out, but Variety reports a U.S. judge has denied that request, and the lawsuit can continue. Taylor Swift is adding more dates to her U.S. stadium tour as Canadian fans wait to see when she might come here. The Grammy Award winner announced her Eras Tour soon after releasing her album Midnight's. She added 17 more U.S. shows this morning for a total of 52 performances. International stops, including Canada, haven't been announced yet. Well, months after releasing her latest album Special, a big honor is on the way for Lizzo. Lizzo will receive the People's Champion Award at this year's People Choice Awards show. Organizers told Deadline the singer will be recognized for her contributions to music and TV and for championing diversity and inclusivity across race, gender, sexuality and size. The People's Choice Awards takes place on December 6th. Fans waited in line in Atlanta today to bid farewell to slain rapper Takeoff, best known for his work with hip-hop trio Migos. Just to uh, honor a great guy, and he did a lot for the culture, and I just love their music, and it's just, it hit home to me. You see the whole Atlanta out here for this man. This man is an icon. God bless this brother, man. R.I.P. Takeoff. A memorial service for the artist born Kersnick Kari Ball was held in State Farm Arena. It paid tribute to the 28-year-old's life in music. Takeoff was shot and killed last week in Houston. There have been no arrests. Several new movies are opening this weekend, including a highly anticipated sequel. We know what you whisper. Black Panther Wakanda Forever is coming to theaters two years after the passing of Chadwick Boseman. Industry insiders are projecting an opening weekend box office take of $170 to $180 million U.S. The comedy world is mourning the loss of a true original. Is there anyone that particularly does not want me to smash this pig? Gallagher has passed away at the age of 76 after a brief illness. 
The comedian was perhaps best known for smashing watermelons and other produce with a sledgehammer during his shows. The North Carolina native started out as a road manager for comedian-musician Jim Stafford in 1960. He eventually switched to performing himself, honing his act at comedy clubs. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. I turned around because I'm going to watch it. And I just said, and then uh, I just heard a taser. Updating our top stories, a Mississauga father is calling on Peel police to change the way they interact with people living with special needs. This comes after his son, who he says is autistic and nonverbal, was tasered and sent to hospital. Sick Kids Hospital says starting on Monday, surgeries will be reduced to preserve critical care capacity. This comes after a staggering rise in ICU patients over the past several days. Those with urgent and time-sensitive needs will be prioritized. It's a sad day as well. We've, you know, we've all lost mates and friends. And Remembrance Day ceremonies took place across the country today, honoring those who paid the ultimate sacrifice and those whose lives were impacted by war. Here in Toronto, people gathered to reflect on the 80th anniversary of the Dieppe raid, the deadliest in the city's wartime history. The lawns outside the Sunnybrook Veterans Centre were a sea of red and white today. As part of Operation Raise a Flag, Sunnybrook placed 30,000 flags outside the facility to say thank you to veterans for their service. As Canadians turn their thoughts to the sacrifices made by military members, both past and present, veterans viewing the tribute say most people have no idea what they have gone through. When all of a sudden you've been two years in the location, and they up and send you halfway across the country with your, all your kids out of school. Uh, it, it's a tough life. But again, there's a great camaraderie within the military because we always look out for each other. The Sunnybrook community also held a special ceremony and parade this morning. The Veterans Centre is the largest of its kind in Canada, caring for over 275 veterans from the Second World War and Korean War. In business, North American stock markets continue to climb today. With more, here is Jacqueline Hansen from BNN Bloomberg. Investors are seeing some light at the end of the inflation tunnel this week. After the U.S. reported lower than expected inflation yesterday, that sent markets surging and today some small gains as well. But the positive momentum still continuing here on hopes that central banks won't have to hike interest rates as high as previously expected to get inflation down. Still, many market strategists are cautious about this week's stock market rally, saying one month of inflation data doesn't make a trend. New inflation data for Canada will be released next week. Let's take a look at some of the closing market numbers for today. The Canadian dollar is trading higher again by about a third of a cent to just over 75 cents U.S. West Texas Intermediate Oil gained about $2.50 to almost $89 U.S. a barrel. And Western Canadian Select gained about $2 to almost $59 U.S. a barrel. As for stock markets, the TSX climbed more than 100 points to end the day above 20,000. That is the latest in business. I'm Jacqueline Hansen of BNM Bloomberg. 
New details to share with you tonight as officials investigate an apparent data breach at Sobeys. The grocery chain has confirmed it has dealt with IT systems issues in recent days. Pharmacy services were impacted at some locations. Sobeys has not confirmed that it was hit by a cyber attack, but the privacy watchdogs of both Quebec and Alberta say they were informed of a confidentiality incident at the retailer. Sobeys says it's still dealing with some ongoing challenges, but services are back up and running. It's been another chaotic week at Twitter after a series of rapid-fire decisions from new CEO Elon Musk. Musk implemented a policy letting anyone get a verified account for a monthly fee. That led to accounts popping up all over Twitter pretending to be government officials, companies and celebrities. Critics say the change decimated trust in the platform. The backlash led Twitter to revive text on profiles showing key accounts are who they say they are. As employees and advertisers leave, Musk is warning the company might not be able to stay afloat. And speaking of those fake verified accounts, some familiar faces here in Ontario saw themselves parodied online, including Premier Doug Ford. Multi-platform writer Kathleen DeClerc is following that angle of the story for us. You can find her coverage and details on Twitter's response on our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca. Well, from online to on the hard court, the Toronto Raptors are back in action tonight. The Raps are coming off a win over Houston on Wednesday, but facing a tough Thunder squad in Oklahoma City. They are also without a couple of key players for a while. Precious Achua and Pascal Siakam. Tip-off tip for tonight's game is 8 o'clock. The Leafs are also in action tonight, hosting the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're coming off a 4-3 overtime loss to Vegas. Well, the Pens have just three wins in their last 10 games. Puck drops at Scotiabank Arena just after 7 p.m. And the Toronto Argonauts are two wins away from sipping champagne from the Grey Cup. The Boatmen are hosting Montreal in the East Division Final this Sunday at BMO Field. The top-seeded Argos had a bye, while the Alouettes beat Hamilton to punch their ticket to this weekend showdown. The winner goes to the Grey Cup November 20th in Regina. Just ahead, he served and died in the First World War. The sergeant's preserved photo found in Toronto. After the break, our John Woodward tracks down his family to show them the image for the first time. Toronto is one of the most vibrant, diverse, and interesting cities on the planet. We're a world leader in many areas like business, finance, technology, entertainment, and culture. Each week, Things to Know TO shines a spotlight on a wide variety of local businesses, services, events, and initiatives from across the GTA that are working to make our city even greater. And one of the world's best places to live, work, and play. Join us Saturday mornings for Things to Know TO. Finally tonight, the discovery of dozens of images of Toronto soldiers from the First World War has given members of one family a new link to their past. As John Woodward reports, a photo has revealed the service and sacrifice of one man his daughters never got the chance to know. Edith Shrubshaw lost her husband Frank in the First World War and her daughters Helen and Violet lost their father. She was two years old when uh, he was uh, shipped off to fighting the war. That's Helen in the photo. Her son Charles says they grew up in Toronto knowing Frank Shrubschult through the medals he left behind as a corporal and then a sergeant in the 126th Peel Regiment. This grainy newspaper photo, the only image. Neither my aunt or my mother ever met him. 
basically. Uh, they can't because they were so young. CTV News tracked down Sergeant Shrubshaw's family and his grandson, Charles Pipe, in Abbotsford, British Columbia, as part of a story about the discovery of 44 glass plate negatives preserved for more than 100 years. Among the photos of the young men from West Toronto about to go to war, there's the 35-year-old CPR locomotive engineer standing in his new uniform. In detail, Pipe's family has never seen. Just amazing. Uh, and I, I look at it and I, I actually see my brother in it and uh, his name was uh, Frank as well. Canadian military records show Sergeant Shrubshalt received a field promotion as he fought in many of the battles that forged Canada's identity more than a hundred years ago. Vimy Ridge in 1917, Passchendaele in 1917, as well as the final push, the hundred, what we call the hundred days, um, which is when he would have died. Killed in action instantly by a machine gun bullet during the advance on the Drocourt Quiant line on September 2nd, 1918. During that, that battle, uh, 5,600 soldiers, Canadian soldiers, were either killed or wounded, including uh, men from uh, Shrub Trill's 38th Battalion. 39 men from that battalion themselves were killed. Including the young man who once lived in this house in Toronto's West End. And thanks to a newly discovered photo, a grandson across the country now has a better connection to a grandfather he never knew. Really hard to uh, describe anything like that. And it, and it really is. It brings such a moment, especially coming up to uh, the Remembrance Day. He's hoping sharing this will help others remember his grandfather's sacrifice, what it meant for this country, as the sergeant's daughters grew up without their dad. John Woodward, CTV News. Great story. And thankfully, the heavy rain held off for services this morning. It did. And now the heavy rain is moving out. It's still going to be a bit of an unsettled evening. Here's one more look at the, at the satellite and radar just to show you where the rain is falling. Overnight tonight, we're going to see warmer temperatures still in eastern Ontario, thanks to that tropical air mass. But it's starting to cool down in the west. Waking up tomorrow morning, if we're lucky, we're going to see some peaks of sun. But it's not a completely dry day. We are forecasting some wet weather in the afternoon. So if you have some fall cleanup to do around your yard. The morning might be the time to do it, especially because the temperature is also going to fall as the days goes on. The winds are going to pick up and into Sunday we are forecasting some flurries. By the early part of next week it is suddenly feeling like a new season. Daytime highs around four or five degrees and watch those overnight lows. Could see a little bit of mixed precipitation as well. That's the seven day forecast. The right end, Sean. Thank you, Lindsay. And be sure to join Omar Sachidina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by our next local newscast at 1130. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching. Have a good night. We'll see you at 1130.